Welcome to the Leadership Sensei Radio, the small business podcast where we explore the many facets of what it means to thrive as a business owner and a leader of your organization. I'm Brett Morrison. I'm the host of the show. And thank you if you're a first-time listener for joining us. If you're a return listener again, thank you for coming back and making the show what it is. The reason I do this show in the first place was to, to grow and add as much value as I possibly can to our community. So let's get started. Yeah, g'day everybody. Got a really special treat for you this week. So last week I was actually caught up with a very good friend of mine, Sean Brewster. Now, some of you may remember Sean from episode number one. So Sean was the very first guest on the Leadership Sensei Radio podcast. And if you haven't checked that episode out, please go back and check it out because it's a really good insight into how an entrepreneur thinks. Now, I wasn't really planning on bringing Sean back onto the podcast as quickly, even though we do catch up very regularly. But as it transpired, we caught up actually just for a chat, and Sean was interviewing me for his podcast around a couple of topics that are very passionate to me, uh, and one of those was about cultural change and how to bring cultural change about, especially in a, in, a, in a small workforce, which can be sometimes quite tricky. Anyway, Sean has generously allowed me to run that through on my podcast this week. And so I'm not too sure if that means I'm the interviewee, because Sean's actually interviewing me through for his podcast, but it's worked out really good. The conversation was, I think, very insightful into some of the things that you can do, especially if you're a small business owner. But look, the same things apply if you're a leader of a large organization. So strap yourselves in. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers. Hello everyone, Sean here. I'm sitting down tonight with a good friend of mine, Brett Morrison. Brett and I catch up mm, probably every month or so, uh, talking all things business, often podcasts, other bits and pieces. And this month we're actually sitting in my lounge room as we speak. We've had a couple of pizzas. We're sitting around shooting the breeze around our businesses, our our individual businesses and, and some ideas and things. And I thought it might be of interest to a lot of people to talk about culture change. Now, this is an area that Brett is a bit of an expert and he's spent probably how many, what, the last couple of decades in that uh, space? At least the last decade, the last... Sol- solidly, okay. um, working with changing cultures in organisation, large organisations and small businesses. Yeah, sure. And I think for a lot of people listening, if you're a health practitioner and you own a, a small business, whether it's just you or just you, you and a couple of other people, the term culture change probably seems like a much bigger thing then, then might, that might be relevant for your business. But when we're talking about culture, we're really talking about how a business operates the, the energy in the space, whether it be just you, the culture of just you in your business, or whether it be the culture of just you and your receptionist, just you and the other staff people, the other clinicians that you work with. And I speak to a lot of people who often have the challenge of having to change a culture they might be buying in, or they've come in as a new uh, manager in a, in a business and they have to change a culture because it's not working or there might just be one rotten egg in the in the basket. You know, mm-hmm. one person that's making life a little bit difficult for everybody, not towing the line, not doing their their bit to keep the the um the business running as, as smoothly as it should. And I think it might be a good opportunity for me to pick your brain, Brett, around culture yeah, change. Sure. Yep. And what we can do as health practitioners to not only um, change a culture when it needs to change, but to create one that's going to work going forward. Because I would imagine, through your experience, you probably agree that. Um, it's much easier to set it up well at the start than try to change it after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. That That is key. So I often say that as the leader of the business, you're, you can set the culture, 
But if you abdicate that and decide not to because it's not important or you don't have time, gotcha. your team will do it for you. And that may not be the culture that you want. Right. It'll happen regardless. Absolutely. Okay. And all that comes down to how, how do we define culture. So there's a lot of textbook definitions around what culture is. But for me, it's simply the way that we do things. So when people go into the business, they go, how do we do things around here? And that, that becomes the culture. So the culture is set by the person in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, they say the fish rots from the head. And I believe that to be true for any small business. Yeah. So if you're the owner of a business, you're the one that needs to set the tone and work out what you want from your business, what you want to achieve, what impact you want your business to have, but also how you want your team to operate sure. and behave. Now, you've done this in small businesses where yeah. you've got a, a small number of people in a team and you've also done it in larger organizations, defense, yeah. defense forces and bigger yeah. corporate entities and things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, some pretty big ones. <laughs> does it make a difference when you're dealing with a small group versus a big group? Is the dynamic the same or does it change? No, look, it, it, the only difference that I see between small business and the larger corporations like government is in the hiring and firing. So in a small business, the culture can get can be lost quite quickly, especially for a small team of, say, the owner and two staff. Because what happens normally when they hire, they hire when they're really busy. They go, oh, look, I'm really flat out. I needed someone extra, and they'll get the first person off the street, or they'll get the second person that they meet. And go, They'll settle. That they do, yep. not realizing that that person may not be the right fit for their business. Gotcha. Um, so knowing what you want out of your business then becomes important because you start bringing that into the recruitment process. Mm-hmm. So you bring it in early. Yeah, so there's a saying that, that's, that goes, uh, don't start the day until you have it finished. Yeah. In other words, plan it out ahead of time. Absolutely. And I think probably the same thing goes with don't create the culture until you have it finished. Yeah. Don't start the culture until you have yeah. it finished. Work out what kind of uh, feeling you want to have it within your space what kind of yeah. brand internal brand you want to have within your business yeah. before you even bring in the staff because they have to match that they do before the fact yeah yeah and one of the ways i work with small businesses is actually involving the rest of the team in the recruitment process uh-huh. they so, have buy-in then yeah absolutely so the, the staff that you have mm-hmm. they may not get the final decision on who gets hired or fired but yeah. they definitely have a say actually we could work with that person that's interesting isn't it i can imagine like if you put myself in the shoes of say i'm a uh, second or third tier clinician within a business and then the boss says I'm about to hire this person can I get all you guys to jump in yep. and sit on on the interview and tell me what you think at the end of it and if we all say yeah I really like her or him yep. but that person turns out to be a dud we all kind of take some ownership in that absolutely and then there's a, a team ownership around hey, how do we develop this person mm-hmm. how do we bring them along the journey of hey that's not how we do business here yep. because that's really what the culture is and how do we talk to our clients? And right. also, they identify early if that person's still on a probation period. So you, most most businesses will still use a probation period. Yeah. So they quickly go, hey, this person's not fitting in. Okay. Let's go practical now. So yeah. I'll give you an example that I hear quite a bit from clinic owners. And we've got a situation where, let's say we've got a clinic owner and they've got five people working for them, five other practitioners. One of those practitioners comes to work, walks into their room, does their thing, treats the people, walks out the door and goes home. The other four come in, interact with the other staff, do a bit of cleaning up, yeah. check in on appointments, make sure everything's organized, maybe organize the stock, do bits and pieces because they that's the culture. Yeah. You've got one or two people that maybe don't. They just want to go to work, get paid for their job and go home. Yeah. When you're the business owner, you want the other four or five people, right? You don't want Absolutely. that one. So how do you take that person who's not a team player in the same way that the others already are yeah. 
and bring them into the fold. So you make them accountable at the end of the day. So as the business owner, um, it's your responsibility to make those decisions about who is on your team and who's not on the team. So to use you know, Jim Collins' example of, I think in the book, Good to Great, um, you gotta get the right people on the bus. So if you think about your business as being the bus, you gotta get the right people into that bus going in the right direction. But then you gotta go to the next step and make sure you got all the right people in the right seats on the bus. Uh-huh. So you don't want someone else driving the bus when it's your bus to be driving. Gotcha. Yeah. So you gotta get the right people in the right seat. So you're gonna obviously have your senior staff, you'll have your new um, practitioners coming in and they need to be mentored through. So when it comes to seeing the culture, I often talk with owners of businesses around, there's some key things that they need to get in place. So one is first that you gotta get the right environment. So as the business owner, you're responsible to make sure that they have everything they need in that environment to do their job and do it well. The next one is systems. So do you have the systems to support them? Most of the time that's a yes, but sometimes it's it's a no because small businesses grow organically. I think most of the time it's the, in, in our industry, most of the time it's the owner goes, yeah, I know what to do with them, which yeah. is not a system, is it? No, that's not a system. No. Absolutely. Um, but it's probably the, the bidding, bigger clinics where they have a receptionist uh, they have staff that come in. Admin staff. Yep. Admin, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Maybe not to the stage where they have a HR person, but definitely they'll have admin and they'll have support staff that come in. Um, so do they have the right systems in place? So that might be, so what forms am I using? What do I do once my client leaves? What do I do to prepare for my client? The next one is then the, the process of actually doing So we talk about systems, processes, and then behavior. So have we given them, I guess part of that process, the, the skills? So have we given them the right skills and training so you know that they are capable of doing their job? Yeah. And if you're hiring them, it'd be a case of like, what qualifications do you have? You know, what college have you learned from? Okay, so I know what that means. So I know you can do X. If they're not doing X, well then you can have a discussion around, well actually I know you can do that. Mm-hmm. And this is our requirement. Clearly you're not meeting that. And this is where that accountability comes back into it. And behaviors is part of that. So in our clinic, these are the behaviors that we expect. So we've now, from a business perspective, we've now met this, okay, we've given you the right environment, we've given you the systems to operate in, yeah. we've given you the process to follow, and you know how to treat a person. Yes. So now this is about behavior. So our behaviors, the culture that we have is that you will do X, Y, and Z because that supports us as a team. Right. And you are part of that team. If you're not doing this, you're choosing not to be part of the team. Sure. So this is a choice now. So do you wish to select in? and do these things or do you should select out because you don't want to do these things so it becomes a very black and white decision a black and white decision yeah. but you're no longer okay. making it the individual makes it right puts the onus back on them absolutely if they want to be part of the which team which empowers them to a degree doesn't it absolutely yeah okay now this is a, a probably a slightly more curly question and it's yeah. very specific and unique to our manual therapy exercise prescription exercise therapy um, industry where we have contractors versus employees, and it's a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Now, that is a contentious topic because as a contractor, you are contracted to do a specific job. Yes. It's very difficult to hire a contractor to come in to fit into a culture that, where the culture is the staff also chip in on the social media, and they also help to welcome other people's patients when they walk in the door, and they're also there to you know, order stock when it gets low. And yeah. that's very difficult to fit into the role of a contractor when their job is to come and treat people one hour at a time, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, on the, on the clock for a certain number of hours and then go home. 
Yes. But there are many clinics that exist where they have contractors and it becomes the culture that that is part of what they do and they're all so happy to do it because they're part of this community, this you know, this yeah. family, basically. Yeah. So what do you think some of the key things that a, a new business owner could do to foster that family kind of environment so that everybody wants to support one another and support the growth of the business, even if they don't have an employee status where the yeah. employer can dictate the exact roles they're going to do on any given day? That is a tough question. Thank you. <laughs> this is why I have a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that, that, that can be tricky. Um, and I think that would become trickier if you have a mix of of the employee and contractors. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, I guess the experience I've had is some people take the contractor model or they take the employee model, mm-hmm. but very rarely do they tend to blend the two models. Yes. So one of those, I guess one of the benefits of being the contractor is that the pay is generally different. Mm-hmm. So it's normally a higher rate because they're not getting all yep. of the benefits of mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Having said that, from a small business perspective, it's about ownership and getting them to be feeling part of the family. So it's creating that environment where they are included and they're not just a gun for hire. Gotcha. Yep. And making them feel that they're more than just a paycheck and also having them involved in the process. So I guess it comes down to the business model. So if you're hiring contractors Mm -hmm. because as a small business owner, you're really going, well, actually, I can't afford to put someone on full time. This is where the employee versus contractor part, I'm assuming, will come into it because they yeah. go, look, I can only provide four hours a week for you. Yes. So I need you to come in for those four hours. Um, but as your business grows, you're not hiring someone else in. You're growing that their, person. That, their hours. Yeah. But it's also about investing back into them. So if you want them to be part of your your family, you know, it's like your kids. Like You're investing your kids. Give first. A- absolutely. You're yeah. giving back to them and you're helping them come along and helping them to be part, especially if there's someone that you want to continue working with and you want them to be part of that family, which mm-hmm. is your business. And it's interesting that when we talk about businesses, we don't normally talk about families, but they, they are. Well, so there's usually a, a head of a family, like there's a head a, of a business, yep. and then there's juniors and seniors. And, yeah. yep. and, and if you get the right culture, it'll feel like a family. We quite often talk about businesses as being tribes mm. because it, it, it sounds a little bit less personal, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, when someone leaves, it's like losing a member of your family if they're close to you. Yeah. And if a lot of small businesses, that can be a real impact. So it's about including them in part of that. So it's not saying that they're including them in the final decision because at the end of the day, as a business owner, I think the business owner is responsible for that. Yes. And they're responsible for the outcomes that they get from their employees. And so whether they're a contractor or an employee, at the end of the day, they're essentially an employee. I think the terminology excuse me, can, can shift yep. and some of that, and with the, with the different wording, the energy around that person shifts if you treat them that way. Gotcha. How important is then in that team building, family building process yep. to do team building activities specifically? So it's a, team building is an old 1980s, 1990s term really, like yeah. coming to fashion 20 years ago or so. How important is it for the business owner to say, right, Friday afternoon this week, we're all going to finish early and we're going to go off to such and such a restaurant and have dinner. Yep. We're going to go and do paintball. We're going to go, you know, something random to bring the people together yeah. in a different environment to then foster that community. Yeah, look, that's really important. Um, there's a recent book out called The Blue Zones of Happiness. Okay. Um, I can't think of the author, but he also wrote the book about the blue zones of longevity. So the same guy did his research. So he's studying different um, countries around the world and different obviously locations within those countries. 
And so some of the things that they talked about was people being happy at work. So you talk, we talk about team building. Like you said, it's quite an old term from probably the 80s and 90s where you know, people do trust exercises and they yeah. fall backwards into planks and all that sort of stuff. But it doesn't need to be that way. It can be as simple as, okay, we're going to go for a walk. We get together socially and before work we do a half hour walk around the block. Gotcha. Where you can just talk and have a social interaction with the people on your team. And if that's two people, it might be going out for a lunch or it might be you know, a morning tea or a cake or whatever. It's going to be a time when you can sit down and not necessarily talk about work. You can talk work if you wanted to, but just talk, have a, have a relationship and, and build those relationships. Because people that know someone at work or have a relationship with someone at work it's showing through the research in these blue zones of happiness, they're actually happier people outside of work. Yeah. Not just at work themselves. So they actually value being at work more, but they're also happier outside of work. So it has a larger impact. It makes sense. And I think, I, I know from my own experience, I think a lot of people listening to this would agree that when you're invested in something, you're so much more happier doing that thing. Yeah. So if you have an invested interest in the people you work for, an invested yeah. interest in the business at large, then you're going to invest more in it and Absolutely. be more happy in that space. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. And if, and if that connection is close um, and you have a relationship with people and you're growing your contractors like you would as an employee, yeah. they have a vested interest in growing the business with you yeah. because they know as the business grows, they're going to get more hours. Sure. And look, I think anybody who is a business owner listening to this would say, yeah, but there's a risk of I invest a lot into these people and they can walk at any time. They can just walk all over me or they can walk out the door. Either way, yep. they hold, hold all the cards in a lot of cases as the contractor because they can basically yeah. call the shots. They're there or they're not. So there's a risk, but what's the reward? Absolutely. So a lot of high-performing high performing teams is, a, is a, a new... Actually, it's not really a new research thing, but there's a lot of new ideas and a lot of new thought coming into this high-performing teams environment. And one of those is about if you want good talent, you've got to be happy for them to, to also leave. Yep. So you build them up really for the next stage of their life. Okay. And for a lot of business owners, that may be developing the contractors to go, so why are you working for me? Sure. How can I help you start your business? Because I think there's still a lot of business owners that come from a lack mentality. So if I build someone up, are they going to become competition? In actual fact, there's enough work out there mm. for everybody. And if you've built your brand and your reputation, they'll, they'll keep coming back. I know the manual therapies is, is quite unique is that a lot of people have a relationship with the therapist, not yep. so much the business, so that can be a little bit awkward. Mm. But part of you know, your contracts, when you set up your contracts, whether it be an employee or a contractor, is that you know, the people that they bring into the clinic actually belong to the clinic. Yep. So how you manage that becomes important. So that there's a lot of, look, there is a lot of trust and um that goes with that. Now, people do get burnt. That, it, that unfortunately, is a reality. But you can get burnt by an employee as well. Absolutely. You know, there's yep. always risk. Think of it yep. like a family again. You know, you, yeah. you could upset somebody and they could leave the family. Absolutely. It's, it's no different, really. That it's not. No. Yeah. So, employee contract, I think, makes very little difference. Mm. Um, it's how you treat, treat them. If you're mm -hmm. treating them, like I said before, there's an energy that goes with being a contractor. It's like a gun for hire. If you treat them as a gun for hire, they'll they'll respond the same way. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's all about basically as the business owner, you've got to invest more than maybe you're comfortable with initially to maybe get more back than you would yeah. otherwise expect. Absolutely. Like yeah. I have a client currently and that's how, how she um, builds her business. So she isn't necessarily hiring as a contractor, but she hires part-time. Okay. But as her business grows, she gives those hours 
to the people who are currently there till they get to the point where they can't take any more hours, mm-hmm. then she hires someone else in behind it. So that could work whether they are contractors or a part-time employee. Yeah, absolutely. This all makes a lot of sense, Brett. Thank you very much. No worries. I think we should do this again. What do you reckon? Absolutely. All right, awesome. Guys, uh, if you liked any of that conversation between Brett and I, we'd love to hear your comments. Uh, so please give us a rating or review. Uh, let us know what you think, whether or not there's a, a particular topic you'd like to hear more about from Brett. He's a wealth of knowledge in this um I guess the the psychology of business and what it takes to build a team and and grow a team and particularly around um, culture change because that's that's a a topic that he's worked in for a lot of years. So if there's something specific, if you've got something maybe very specific to your business, you'd like a a question answered, uh, we're happy to to cover that off in one of these episodes. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Sean. So there you go. What did you think? Look, I do want to apologize up front for the quality of the intro at the start of that podcast. Um... I've been playing around with a couple of different microphones and it didn't really come out the best, so I do apologize for that. But hey, what did you think of the conversation that Sean and I had? Sean and I do catch up, as he said, quite regularly just to talk about all things business and podcasting and quite specifically about the things about how we're growing our own businesses. But we also both work with other business owners, so we get to have very real conversations about challenges that are really hurting small business owners at the moment so that conversation was an outcome of some of the questions and some of the challenges that are presenting themselves to the business owners that we've been working with so i really hope you enjoyed it as always please subscribe hit the like button leave a comment we'd love to hear you i'd love to hear your feedback of of how much you uh, like that Um, but also the other things that you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast thanks again Have a great week.